A lot of times we think because we are the people of God and we attend church and we become religious. Surely if there's any people in, on planet earth that isn't going to miss the moment, it would be people like us. But do you know the Bible talks about a group that was so religious? And it wasn't just about them going through the things. They were willing to put the work to it. It wasn't just that they were saying words. They were willing to put their lives in action to fulfill the call that was upon their lives. How many of you have ever heard of the group called the Pharisees? You know, in the pages of the Bible, a lot of times, especially through interpretations of preachers, we make them the villains. But do you know most of those guys called themselves the Pharisees were probably good-hearted people. They were incredibly dedicated. They had dedicated their entire life to both the social and political side and the religious side of life. They were pretty popular among the community. They, they were really people that had a position. They had title. Um, they were probably affluent. But they had dedicated themselves for seeking out the Torah. They wanted, to, they wanted to, not only did they memorize it, but they lived their lives according to it. And can you imagine dedicating your life to Scripture? Being, you know, they're, they're putting the work in. And not only dedicating their life to Scripture, but some of the principles in which they lived their life on was about looking for that they were the people of God. They were the ones where the prophets spoke about the nation of Israel and talked about a coming Messiah. And they were so... Uh, energized and so passionate about the coming Messiah that they gave their lives to looking for Him. Can you imagine just seeing people like that? How are you doing today? What, what's up today? What are you doing? I'm looking for Him. Maybe it's today He's going to come. Maybe it's going to be the time when this moment and this time that today we're going to be revealed the Messiah and, and He's going to come and set us all free. And yet he was standing right in front of them. I wonder how many times we as the people of God, we come in and we're, we're in a setting like this where there's a good crowd and we start to sing and it's a, we're so blessed to have so many people that, that are very talented with music and, and, and their instruments and it's really a gift that God has given them to lead us into the presence of God. I personally don't have that gift but I join in with them and I sing like I'm gifted to sing. I know you do it too. You lip sync with David and Amy and all of them. Like you're the, that's the voice everybody's hearing. You know, you got your hands raised and everything. But, you know, in those moments we talk about all of the things. And these people called the Pharisees, they were so committed to the word of God. And, and I don't want you to misunderstand the sermon today. I want you to read your word. But you know what? This isn't about a, this isn't a storybook. It's not about make-believe characters. And I'm going to give you some truth. God's not confined to the pages of this book. See, what had happened is they had studied the scriptures and they had come under Roman domination. And because they were oppressed by the Roman government and the Roman army, they were looking for the Messiah to be a military man. And they didn't expect him to be the son of a carpenter. 
And all of a sudden, it didn't matter. He, they, he started to amaze them, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. They had little differences in their belief system, but all of them were considered religious people. And he started when he was 12 years old, starting to teach beyond his years. And he was, God the Father was starting to reveal his son through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was starting to teach and take on the essence of what the prophets had prophesied, that there was going to be a baby born of a virgin that was going to liberate not only... They thought he was going to liberate the nation of Israel, but God had a greater idea to liberate the world from sin. And they were so looking for him, and, and he was busy going, here I am, I'm right here. And, and they almost would dismiss him, and then he would heal the sick, and, and they couldn't understand, and they were rationalized, well, who is this guy named Jesus? Uh, you know, he has such humble beginnings. He, he comes from Nazareth, and, and how does he do that? He must be used by God, but we can't understand him because he's going about it a little different way than what we consider to be normal. You know, he's touching people that are blind and, and, and messed up, and he's willing to fellowship with lepers and sinners, and, and he's just doing things that is so chaotic, but we can't argue with... He's raising the dead, healing the sick. He's preaching and the, the kingdom of God has come near. And he has all the attributes of the Messiah, but we're going to reject him. He surely can't be the one. Can you imagine the missed moment? I mean, you have given your life for certain the study of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Do you realize what they missed? I've got a vivid imagination. What could have been? See, they, they prized that, that one of their prized possession was the fellowship that God had with Moses and Moses being a prophet, a liberator, uh, a foreshadowing of Christ that was coming and, and he had uh, been used by God to deliver his nation out of the bondage of slavery of Egypt after 400 plus years. And here, can you imagine what could have been? Because in the Torah is the, the, the story about Moses getting called. You know, he's 80 years old. He's stuttering by now. He's been highly educated, but he's broken. He's up on a mountain in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. <coughs> we know the story. The bush catches on fire, and God starts to speak out of it. You know Jesus was there? Do you realize that when Moses asked, who am I speaking with? He said, I am. Do you realize that Jesus says the same statement when, when, at the end of his ministry? When he says, I am all the soldiers in the garden, Gethsemane fall down because he is using, utilizing the same language that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit used through the burning bush. Can you imagine the people that had studied that in so detail? They were professional at it, and they could have had dialogue and fellowship with him and said, what was it like to speak out of a bush? What was it like to create the universe and all that is within it? What was it like when you and the Father and the Holy Spirit stepped out on nothing and started creating everything? But yet they missed the moment. They were religious. They did the right things. They knew when to clap the right places. They knew how to sing the songs probably, you know, as well as we know how to do them. 
They knew when to raise their hands. They knew how to fellowship with the religion of the Word of God. And, and they, they, they knew it in detail. And I wonder how many of us find ourselves finding ourselves almost sim with similarities to the Pharisees because we know about God, because we've read the stories about Him, but yet we haven't really found intimacy with Him. So we live vicariously through somebody else telling us a story or reading more about Him. I have good gospel news today. The woman that touched Him with the issue of blood that touched the hem of his garment and she found herself being healed and made whole, you can touch the same God of the universe today, right here, right now. Amen? Amen. Don't miss him like the Pharisees. They were so blinded. This is what Jesus says about them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of your cup and plate, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside may be clean also. He's telling them, can you imagine the people that were looking for you the hardest? And Jesus says, you're blind. You're trying to lead these people. You're, you're, you're majoring on the minors and, and you're not really focusing on the majors because I'm standing right here in front of you and you know what I should do and I'm doing the things that you know that the prophets told you I would do and I'm right here. I wonder how many times, I, I, and in my mind he's like, what are you doing today? I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm here. What are you doing today? I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm here. I wonder how many times we sing about him and he's really going, I'm right here. I'm not way up there. I'm right here fellowshipping with you. Blind. He's saying you're straining at gnats and swallowing a camel. You're focusing on looking good on the outside and protecting your power and your title and your prestige. You want to look religious. And, and, and you know what? I'm not a very religious person, but I love God with all of my heart. But I want to fellowship with Him. I don't want somebody to tell me about Him. I want to experience, I don't want to miss the moment. Then I, I found out not only did the Pharisees miss Him, but a whole city can miss Him. Do you realize that the Bible talks about Jesus crying twice? One was when He lost a friend. The Bible says Jesus wept when Lazarus died. You know the next time you find Jesus uh, crying is when He is about to go into Jerusalem for the last time. And he's crying over a city. And there's something about the city of that day. The city of that day was where the temple was, the house of God. It was the place where it, it's very city, the city DNA revolved around religion and revolved about around the worship of God. Can you imagine a city that worshiped with all of the festivals and did all of the work and did all of, you know, the Bible talks about the Pharisees tithing and uh, their mint and cumin and, and they gave offerings and, and they were doing all the right stuff and, and yet they missed the moment and Jerusalem was the same type of situation. Can you imagine, has anybody ever looked at a Jewish calendar? There's a lot of holidays. And there was a lot of feasts. And those feasts were like holidays to us to where there was a lot of work surrounding them. Even to this day, they keep traditions of, of the Sabbath. That on that day of rest, you can't do hardly do anything. 
If you get in an elevator in Jerusalem on Sabbath, it'll stop on every floor because you're not allowed to push the button. They still observe all of the religious stuff. One day, Jesus was experiencing this in the city of Jerusalem, and they were uh, the, the festival and, and the holiday was surrounding uh, uh, the, the, the priest carrying a pitcher of water and giving a water offering and pouring it on the altar of God. And Jesus was so overwhelmed with, with frustration. He said, you're doing all the right things, but you've lost the sight of the thirsty people all around you. And that's when he stands up and he says, you know what, if anybody hungers and thirsts, come to me. He said, you've lost the essence. You've got the right things. You're doing it the right way. You're going to go pour the uh, water on the altar, but you're forgetting the thirsty people all around you. And I wonder how many times do we forget the thirsty people all around us, yet we're doing the right things. We're singing the songs. wonder why you come to church. I've often thought about that. Why do people come to church? Because with today's technology, I mean, I'm going to, uh, you know, I want you to come back next week. Touch your neighbor and say, come back next week. <laughs> say, Pastor, preach. We could just stay at home, listen to him on the Internet. You know, no, you can listen to a lot better preachers than I on the Internet. But man, you know what? We've got all of this technology. And, and so one of the reasons we come to corporate worship is that it has a dynamic that we can't experience by ourselves. Is that when we come together and unify our faith and we worship with a voice that is louder than our own and all of a sudden His presence comes and fellowships with us. So number one, we want to be in the fellowship and proximity of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and He is honorable and faithful to His word that says, where my people, when they call upon my name, when they worship, I will inhabit the praises of my people. Amen? That's number one. Number two is you're supposed to be enabled, equipped in His presence to be empowered to do the work of the ministries all through the week. It's like a filling station. That I'm going to go find myself in the presence of God. I'm going to fellowship in His presence. I'm going to be enabled, empowered. I'm going to be energized by the power of an almighty God. And then I'm going to go and be His ambassador throughout the week. But yet sometimes we drive through our communities and we watch the news with, with, with frustrated hearts. I mean, has anybody listened to the news less, lately? Uh, I know I'm going to get some emails here, but hold on. You see, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Can somebody say amen? And yet sometimes we stand in our, sit in our living room and we are appalled by what we're seeing on the, on the uh, TV about the circumstances of the world. And yet we complain about it, but we are empowered to be the ambassadors of Christ that on your way to work, start praying over your community and let's see revival strike the land. Amen? This whole city had missed him. Listen to what Jesus says about the city of Jerusalem. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you have even you had known of this day of things that make for peace, but now are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. 
they were busy worshiping and doing all of the festivals that were going to be analogies and examples of the coming of the Messiah. And yet the Messiah stood in their presence for 33 and a half years. They only got it right one time and that was his entry into Jerusalem. And it was so based upon emotion um, and prophecy but mostly the emotion of the fulfillment of the prophecy that he was coming in. They recognized who he was. Four days later, the same crowd was chanting to crucify him. It's amazing to miss a moment. I wonder how many people are going to, how many churches in our city are going to have uh, Christmas Eve services. They're going to have all the services. They're going to have the lights. They're going to have the candles. They're going to be ready. But how many of them are really going to touch him? Are they going to go through the routine about him? See, that's the city of Jerusalem. And he was weeping, going, you missed it. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to resurrect from the dead. I'm going to send back to the Father that I might send the Holy Spirit. You missed a, a prime opportunity for you to have me in your fellowship, in your presence, and you missed it. It moved his heart so much that he cried. wonder why. They saw him heal the sick. See, that's what's so incredible. This is where I'm going to preach a little bit, and then I'm going to get to my last point and teach a little bit more. As we read this book like, oh my goodness, he touches people that were sick and they're healed. He raises the dead. He, he feeds the hungry. He takes bread and fish and he breaks it and feeds thousands of people. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He walks on water. And we keep him bound in the pages of this book. But do you know what? One of the ladies that come forward last week looking for a miracle, had, she shared with me in between services, she said, I was really frustrated and I've lived a depressed life as I've gotten older. I've become more and more depressed because I realize I haven't accepted my age and my, my spot and you know I'm getting older and it hurts and all of this stuff. And she said, I was really depressed, but you told me about a Jesus that would set me free and heal me. And I come forward and I was like Naaman. I, I didn't think that, it, you know, I was looking for somebody to do great things. And I just come forward and, and I fellowshiped with God. And you know what? I was still depressed Sunday afternoon. And I was depressed Monday, but I got up and I worshiped anyway. And I got up Tuesday and I was still depressed. And I, you know what? I worshiped anyway. But Wednesday come along and I started to worship and it felt like a million pounds lifted up off of me and I'm no longer depressed because I've been set free by the one that, that you read about in this book become real to me in my very own home. Because last but not least, there's the most famous of all misses. Probably a good guy. Just a businessman. That's all. He owns an inn. Now, I, I have fun with this passage. So let's touch your neighbor one more time. Tell him pastor's got a vivid imagination. All right, that way I, Amy, you and David and Caleb can get ready. Because in this passage in Luke, you find out that there was a time that come upon the city of Bethlehem, well, upon the nation of Israel where they were going to be taxed. And Joseph was of the lineage of David, fulfilling prophetic prophecy of the Messiah. And he was going to his hometown, and there he had to pay taxes. And he had now had his nine-month pregnant wife ride on a donkey probably for two days. Now picture this, you're 20 years old, your wife's about 15 or 16, 
She's nine months pregnant. How many guys in the house do we have that are, that are husbands? Say amen. Amen. You're going to get me my, my jive here in just a second. How many of you same husbands are also husbands and fathers? Say amen. Do you remember the last four weeks of your wife's pregnancy? Where she had that wild look in her eyes. Like, I am tired of this. I've had enough of this. Let's get to the hospital right now. Can't you call the doctor and speed this thing up? Aren't you doing anything? Any brothers and sisters feel me on that? Say amen. amen. Yeah, you just want it done. Now you've asked your wife to ride on a donkey for two days and you forgot the reservations. And you're down to the last hotel in town. And you knock on the door. And a businessman comes to the door, a good man. And he opens the door and he sees a young man that's only a carpenter. Just a regular guy. Seemingly not important at all and his pregnant 15, 16 year old teenage wife and he looks at the guy probably in desperation and says hey man I need room he says oh man this is our busy season Jerusalem or Bethlehem's full of people they've all come to pay their taxes just like you and we don't have any more vacancies huh you talking about a missed moment Let's just talk about the business side for a minute. If he really knew who he was talking to and what was about to take place, he would have gave him his bed. I mean, who wouldn't want to stay in the same room as the most popular person in human history? You're talking about a review? Travelocity and all that, or travel guide, whatever it is. You know, hey, went to a hotel, it was full. The owner of the hotel gave me his own room. In that room, I birthed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No, the guy didn't see the moment. And he said, Red Man, I really don't have any room for you. But there's a barn, a cave with animals. You could stay out there. Here's the incredible part that become a revelation to me today as I preached in first service that I'd never thought of. How far apart was the end to the cave? 100 yards? You are 100 yards away from the greatest moment in history and you didn't even come. You didn't even leave the bed to come find out what was going on. Yet shepherds in a field across town left their flocks to come to the birth of the king. You were that close. He's not an evil man, probably not even a bad man. He just didn't see the moment. And I wonder how many of us find ourselves in the fellowship of moments wrapped around the average, where we're just going Christmas shopping, and yet you're so intent on 
checking off the last thing on your list. You become so busy. And Jesus the whole time is saying, I'm going to show up at Coles with you. There's a lady there that has been working with crazy people looking for that last Christmas gift all day long. She's frustrated, she's tired, and she's waiting on you to be kind. She's waiting on you to smile. She's waiting on you to be understanding when she rings up the wrong thing. I've, I've got somebody that isn't able to buy as many gifts as you, that maybe only be able to buy one thing, but they're at the store spending what they, what they could have spent on themselves on somebody else. And I want you to be looking for them because I need them to know that I see them. You can participate without missing the moment of the Messiah. And here's the catch, the linchpin of the whole thing. How many of you on December 25th are going to celebrate a holiday? And if I stopped right there, everybody in the room would say yes. But I hope I'm here to change your mind. I'm not here for you to celebrate a holiday. I want you to put it in the perspective that it belongs in. I'm here to sell. I'm going to celebrate on December 25th a holy day where the king of all kings left. He didn't become more God because he came to earth. He took off the sovereignty and the glory that he possessed as angels upon angels upon angels declared his glory and his honor. They would worship him endlessly, 24-7, endlessly throughout eternity. And he was willing to stand up and say, Father, I'll go on their behalf because I love them. And I know that they can't do what we need to do. And we're the only ones that could set them free. We're the only ones that can redeem. We're the only ones that could save. They can't be perfect, so I'll go be perfect for them. Let me take off this and put on the skin of a baby. I'll grow up into a 33-year-old man and at 33, I'll die on a cross. I'll resurrect from the dead, being empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. And then I'll ascend to the right hand of the Father and we'll send the Holy Spirit to not even live among them, but live in them. Can somebody say amen? And sometimes we get worried about the, the you know, who are we going to scratch off the list? You know, Amen. That's good. So I hope they heard that on the internet. <laughs> that baby said, Amen. Preach, Pastor, preach. <laughs> I got one more point to make, and then we're going to worship, and we're not going to miss this moment. Never make this room the most important room of your life. That's tough for a preacher to say. Your kids expect you to sing here. They expect you to pray here. They expect you to be looking for the Messiah here. They expect you to find God here. But what means more to them than what you do here is when you take what you do here into your own living room, the most important room of your house. And when hell and chaos starts to arise, mom and dad stand up and they look in the eyes of their children and say, do not worry. The God of this book that we have built the foundations of our life upon is still on the throne and he knows who we are and you stand up with faith and confidence and you begin to pray and worship and you'll find that the God of the moment will come and minister and meet with you. And when they see you not panic and they see you live consistently with your life, they're not looking for perfection. They're looking for you to be Christ-like. Amen? Because your faith becomes real, not here, but in the living room when you live it. So all of that said, 
let's don't be the Pharisees that become religious and miss the one that we are, are giving our lives to. Let's don't be like Jerusalem. Let's don't let Fort Myers go through a holiday season where we light the trees, we have the parades, we have all the special services, and we forget to worship the one that we've set all of that aside for. And most important, don't let him knock on our door and look for a way in and us say, hey man, I'm just so busy, I just don't have any room.